Hi, this is Leadership and Lattes. I'm Crystal Roberts, and I'm here virtually with my co-host, Dr. Danielle Lord. This is our second podcast, and we're really excited to be here with you today. We're going to be talking about how to have courageous conversations as leaders. This is a really important topic and critical um, all the time, but it's really important in the middle of these challenging times that we're living with COVID and with social unrest. Many of these concepts apply to everyone, uh, but as we say, everyone is a leader. So if you have an opportunity to influence others, you are a leader. So we're going to be looking at how to use your voice to engage with others for a positive outcome, even when there are a lot of differences. But first, before I dive into today's topic, I wanted to take this opportunity for our, for our audience to get to know my co-host a little bit more. So Danielle, uh, you have more than 20 years experience in leadership, as well as a doctorate in leadership. Why have you chosen to spend your career in leadership development? So that is a, there's a lot to unpack in that specific question, but I think for me, it boils down to two things. And one is that I hate pain and uh, poorly led organizations lead to a lot of pain uh, through the dysfunction that uh, is, is a result of that, whether it's uh, somebody else who stepped into the leadership role, which I say loosely, uh, and is using coercive power, whether it's a leader who simply doesn't understand how to lead or what to do, um, but there is pain associated with that. And with pain comes stress uh, and um, physical manifestations of that pain show up um, and, and have a significant impact on not only us as people, but also organizations. The second piece to that is that I would say leadership, um, though that the, the known tenets and principles of leadership are easy enough, you know, model the way, challenge the process, be the best that you can be, lead with heart, all those, those um, kuzus and posner and other practices that we know are known solid principles. Those things are easy. What gets tough, challenging, and in the way, if you will, is the fact that we uh, as leaders interact with humans. And as much as I love people, uh, as humans, we tend to bring our own set of challenges. And the thing that makes it challenging is even if I model the way, I might have to show up and model the way differently depending on the situation and the person that I'm working with. And as we start to increase the size of teams, we start to get into many different personality styles, motivational needs, learning styles, and not to mention what might have happened uh, at home when folks uh, got back into their, their real world and left the workplace. So all of those human dynamics play a significant role in how we as leaders show up. And it constantly means that we are on guard and having to change and shift um, and work on this continuum of how we show up and work within uh, that, that paradigm or work with, with all of those different individual styles and needs, et cetera. And that's where the challenge is. And because of that challenge, it's easy for folks in leadership roles to fall back, I think, to past practices or what we call management behaviors, because it's a whole lot easier to tell someone to do it because I said so than to 
um, change um, a, a, an approach um, as I look at all of my different team members, I might have to approach each one a little bit differently. And that's what gets hard uh, and challenging. And so to be there to constantly remind leaders um, of how important it is to lead and not to fall back into management practices is a constant struggle within an organization. The other thing I would say to that is that uh, we have accountants and we have finance folks and we have operations folks and we rely on them to do very specific functions. Um, no one would ever ask me to come in and, and um, do accounting because I am not an accountant. And so why we expect leaders across these fields who have probably not had any exposure to team dynamics or, or human psychology, we expect them to step into that role and do it well. Uh, and so it just makes good sense for any organization to have someone with some leadership knowledge um, and, and uh, adult learning practices to help folks when times get tough and they're challenged by something that um, might be very out of their control. So that's why I got into this work and that's why I continue to do it is it's not easy. Um, we are uh, uh, very different humans from one another, uh, even though we all tend to look the same and uh, it, it can be challenging to navigate through those, all those different dynamics. And I think you have to have someone there to be a cheerleader and to help you navigate through that complexity. Great. So interesting. Thanks, Danielle. So next question for you. Uh, when did you first know that you were a leader? <laughs> I, I think it was pretty later in life. Um, I, I think it was actually when I was probably working on my PhD, when I really started to get comfortable with understanding what those leadership practices and, and good behaviors are. And these are scientifically known, scientifically proven um, to, you know, I'm modeling the way I'm being the one to say, this isn't a process, this isn't a process that's working for us. Let's find a different way to do these things. Um, it, you know, being um, in relationship with people and having hearts, those are, those are known concepts that we know to be effective. So I don't think it was, I don't think I really realized that I was practicing leadership until much later in life. But reflecting on this question, I can think of a time when I was in high school and in one of my early jobs um, as what they used to call a carry out or a courtesy clerk in the grocery store. And uh, it was, we had to run everywhere in the store and outside of the store. We didn't walk anywhere, unlike today, <laughs> where they're walking all around. <laughs> it drives me crazy, but uh, we were constantly on the move. And if we were taking groceries out, uh, that was about the only time we were allowed to walk. Well, we had to wear pants and um, shirts buttoned up to the collar and long sleeves. And then we had a little colorful vest over the top of that that indicated that we worked there. And uh, in the summertime, it got really hot and uncomfortable to constantly be moving that quickly. And, and we didn't have a lot of opportunity to take breaks and rehydrate. And so I talked to some of my fellow courtesy clerks and um, we all thought that wouldn't it be great if we could wear shorts? when it was, the temperature was over a, a certain temperature um, and they could be, you know, like down to the knees. Of course, this was before capri pants, but, uh, you know, <laughs> down to the knees and, and um, it would allow us to not get quite as hot. And so I posed that to the store managers and um, I'm sure they were all snickering behind my back, but 
I, I proposed this in a very well thought out uh, explanation of why I thought shorts would be um, helpful for productivity. Of course, I didn't know those words at that time. Um, and, and they actually listened and took it to heart. And they, they said they took it to corporate uh, and they were told no. But I, I don't know if they ever did or not. But I actually looked for a solution to a real problem that was challenging all of us. And so I think when I reflect back, um, even into my early years as a teenager, you know, that, that was leadership right there. Um, and so it's, I've always found things that were a challenge operationally and looked for ways to move them forward. And that was often a lot easier in a small startup organization than a larger comp complex one. Um, but it's just something that I've always naturally done. Um, found training opportunities, um, found opportunities to do something different, um, found opportunities to be uh, a voice for a customer and just na and done them. So I, I have just naturally operated that way, but it, it took me a while, it took me a long time to realize that that, that, that was leadership in action, even yeah. as an individual contributor. So see, we all have the capacity to lead regardless of our role. Yeah, what a great, great example of um, that everyone, everyone can be a leader. Um, it's, it's really great. Not a formal role of leadership there, but <laughs> recognizing that somebody was going to listen to your idea and that you could bring that forward and hopefully make it better for everyone. That's great. So last question, what are you hoping to accomplish with this podcast? Why have you um, joined the venture to have a podcast? <laughs> well, uh, like I said uh, in, in the first question, I hate pain, uh, and we continue to see a lot of pain within organizations, and I think particularly true now when we have so much volatility uh, that's occurring um, outside and inside the workplace. And the simple fact, Crystal, is you know that there aren't a lot of us um, in organizational development or in leadership development within organizations. Um, it's fortunate if you are in a large organization, there might be one or two of us, but small organizations really are often lacking someone with our skills and our capacity. And so where does that leave them? That leaves them really just to rely on what they've seen or practices that they've, they've held true uh, for long periods of time that might not be the most effective and beneficial for their team members. So hopefully we can reach a lar little bit larger audience um, and share some of our expertise and avoid some of that pain. Great, wonderful, thank you. Thanks for um, letting me ask you those questions. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so um, turning to our topic at hand, hand courageous conversations, uh, we drew from a couple of um, at least two um, different resources that I wanted to just share with um, our audience. So there's a couple of good resources on, on um, there's lots of them out there, but the ones we're talking about today are Crucial Conversations um, and uh, by Patterson, Grenny, McMillan, and Switzler. And then we're also going to be talking a little bit uh, from Brene Brown's book on Dare to Lead. So um, if anybody wants to dive further into what we're going to be talking about, those are two good resources. So just um, opening up with uh, kind of a couple of the main concepts around crucial conversations. Um, 
couple of ways that they describe it is uh, it needs to have three key things for it to be a crucial conversation, which is uh, opinions vary, stakes are high, and there's strong emotions. Yes. Um, any, anything else you'd like to add about what you think a courageous conversation um, consists of? That's a good question. And I think that uh, all three of those things for courageous conversations certainly are imperative. Um, I think you also have to have a willingness on both parties. Um, and you don't often see that willingness, particularly when emotions are high or when it's an employee or an individual contributor who has to give feedback to a manager or a leader. And yeah. um, there, we often, you know, that's one of the, the best things that leaders can do is be willing to take um, input and feedback. Um, but oftentimes leaders end up in this role of um, I'm here in this leadership space and therefore I'm suddenly, um, no, I suddenly have all the knowledge and all the answers. Uh, and, and that can be a real staller for leaders um, when they're not able to or willing to participate in um, a, a mutual uh, flow of conversation and information that includes the ability for leaders to get feedback. Yeah, 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 so, so true. Yeah, um, and it, that gets to that really important piece of this is that um, we always have a choice right we have a choice whether we want to engage in that um do we want to engage in it in a way that is productive <laughs> um or do we want to just avoid it right uh, so many times when we have those th three things present um especially when we're talking about strong emotion and that it really matters that um oftentimes people can just withdraw yeah. and as a leader uh, one, we don't want ourselves to withdraw, but we really don't want our folks to withdraw. We, yeah. we lose their engagement. We lose their productivity. We lose their ideas. Um, I think also the other thing I was thinking about with this, um, and we think about the current situation that we're all living in is, um, these, these things can be really uncomfortable. So, if we are, if all those things are present, we're going to be feeling uh, some stress around it. We're gonna be feeling that high emotion. We're, we're going to be um, having things happening in our body, in our brain, <laughs> right? So we're, we're oftentimes when we're in that situation, we the neuroscience there around fight or flight kicks in. And one of the things that's really important to think about when we're doing, we're thinking about that is uh, sometimes we get sort of hijacked by our emotions. And when we get in that fight or flight and get hijacked, we can't bring our good judgment and our good um, sort of self-control to, to the conversation. Um, One thing with that I was thinking is that it's probably uh, important to talk about a little bit about how how do you take that first step when you find yourself in that particular situation, you've kind of gone into fight or flight, you know, you've been hooked, we can all relate to that um, feeling the blood pressure rises, you might get flushed, 
um, you know that this matters, but it's hard to engage um, or to engage appropriately, not to get um, defensive or yell or um, bring forward, especially if you're the leader, your, your sense of power around this is what just what you were talking about earlier about sort of dictating to people that this is the way it's going to be rather than offering an engagement and a conversation and a dialogue around it. So one of the things that um, Brene Brown in her book talks about that uh, to choose courage over comfort, that, that that is our way through is to recognize and notice these things that are happening to us and to make a conscious choice to actually act courageously and move through knowing that it is uncomfortable. So one of the things that's important when we engage in crucial conversations is to remember that we have to take care of ourselves first. So when we were talking about that, the brain getting um, into the fight or flight, that um, we have to take care of ourselves first. And um, one of those things, you know, just really simple to uh, take three deep breaths. And you can do that even kind of quietly where other people can't see. Um, but just really focusing on um, calming down um, so that you can actually engage in that crucial conversation. Uh, what other things, uh, Danielle, do you think are important when we think about taking care of ourselves first so that we can engage in that conversation productively? I think one thing to recognize is your own or are our own self triggers. And when we're, we're getting triggered to the point where we're gonna, going into anxiety or panic or meltdown, uh, and that's part of that emotional intelligence piece, right, is knowing yourself well enough to recognize those emotional experiences that you're having. And I don't think that there is anything wrong with taking a time out from a crucial conversation that is starting to get uh, into that emotional uh, triggering place. And in fact, they, the authors of the book actually say there's nothing wrong uh, with, with stepping away for a minute. Uh, and I think that that is a very just and right thing to do um, to make sure that we don't get into a, a complete meltdown on either side because we have seen what happens uh, to folks and to organizations when we don't allow for that respect to take care of ourselves. So I think uh, saying, asking for a timeout and, and um, that timeout uh, can be a couple minutes or it can be a day. Um, as leaders, uh, it's important that we make sure we don't allow a week to go by, <laughs> right? We mm -hmm. have to be able to yeah. regroup and reconnect. But I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, uh, I, 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 need to, I need to step away or I, I need to think about this to get a different perspective. Yeah, such, such great advice. And I think also as being a leader, allowing the other person that space as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, even when we're so engaged and wanting to get this figured out right now, that the best solution sometimes is to give that space. So, yeah. um, so really good point. Really good point. So because actually take, oh, taking care of yourself might mean that you're, you allow another person uh, the space to take care of themselves. So it doesn't, uh, isn't something that, that comes down to a really heated discussion. So I, it's, uh, yeah. 
recognizing when other folks are going into distress might mean that you're actually taking better care of yourself by giving them the space that they need. Yes, yep, so true. So the next thing that's really important uh, when having a courageous uh, or crucial conversation is to create a safe space for that conversation. And one of the steps with that is to make sure that you both have an, uh, a mutual purpose, uh, that you're both on the same page around uh, what the outcome is that you want, even though you may not know exactly what the outcome looks like, but that you're looking for a positive outcome. Um, that you understand that you care about their goals and interests and values, that they understand that, and that you understand and you believe that they also care about your goals, interests, and values. And so, of course, the important step in that is to know that, right? Be clear about uh, when you step into this conversation, what are your interests, what are your values, and what's the goal that you want, um, you want out of that? And have a conversation. Make that visible. Yeah, and I would, I would say that if you have a solid relationship with the person that you're um, having this conversation with, you know, if you know that person well enough because you've spent time with them and, and, and you've established the relationship, that's a much, that it doesn't necessarily become the focal point because you know each other well enough to recognize what the value is or, or what it is that uh, maintaining the relationship. So I think that speaks more highly to um, because then that's there's always that to fall back on that we know each other well what it is that we want and that safety is is paramount and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be said although it does never hurts to say it right but you you know through that relationship and through that dialogue that you had that you're both in it together even yeah yep um one interesting thing it's sort of a, a check to see, do I know, how do I know when I don't have a mutual purpose with the other person, when I don't, I'm not engaged in that, is that it becomes a debate. Mm, um, yeah. And in your mind, you start to engage around winning versus yes. that this is a mutual outcome that we want, but you get stuck in your, your position, not because it's necessarily right, but that you want to win. Yeah. And uh, I think sometimes we don't want to admit that's where we're at. And, and the listening stops at that point too, mm -hmm. because you're so in your head trying to finish your own story and your own thought pattern and what it is that you're going to say next and how you're going to respond that the listening then just stops completely. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, the other thing uh, with that that I found really helpful is uh, mutual respect. And again, this if you have a relationship with this person already, that probably, uh, if it's a positive relationship, you know you have that all already established. But there will be situations where you might not. And it's important that you believe that uh, that they respect you and that you have that your behaviors show that you respect them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes that can be super challenging because you might not 
uh, respect whatever, um, it could be their work ethic, it could be whatever, but um, one way to get around that is to really try for yourself to appeal, appeal to the basic humanity, look for similarities uh, in that person, see where you can um, find some common um, experiences possibly, or just empathy. Uh, we all make mistakes, right? So yeah. where can you make some human connection with them? I think one thing that I really learned from being in Catholic healthcare is that uh, we have this tendency to forget that res that all humans have a basis of respect that should be given to everyone. We tend to think of respect as, did you earn it? Right? We all come into this, well, they haven't earned my respect yet, or I don't know them well enough to respect them. That's a different level of respect. But there's this idea that we respect everyone because they're a person and a human and, and everyone deserves a level of respect. So I think if we can um, take that as, as such a valuable lesson, uh, that helps with that whole respect piece too, because you, you get out of that space of, but they haven't earned it yet. Yeah. And we can, we can think about respect from, from a very different perspective that way. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yep. Um, oh, these things are really important, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, uh, of course, but it's also really important to create that safe space with a team. So teams can also have these courageous conversations and, um, some things to think about when creating a safe space, um, is to really make the rules of engagement, the rules of, um, that conversation explicit. So creating some psychological safety for people. Uh, in Brene Brown's book, uh, she calls it container building. And really, uh, it's important that the whole team engages in them. Some of the things that you would see as far as behaviors that people will probably want um, are listening, you know, listening to each other. One person talks at a time. Um, that it please ask questions instead of make assumptions. Tell your own story uh, rather than a story of someone else. Uh, stay curious and the all important keep keep this confidential. So um, taking the time to do that at the beginning of a meeting when you're going to have a, um, a crucial conversation is just really, really important. So, um, I, that's a practice that I know that I have used uh, with teams all the time. We do that all the time. So if you have a team that's working together um, on an ongoing basis, we start there. We start with what are our working agreements is what we call them. But I like the, I like Brene's um, title of container, container building. Uh, but, it, but also just uh, even if it's the same team, remembering and, looking at those again if it's going to be a, a, a super tough conversation so yes yeah. because as team members uh, we are human and we will bring uh whatever last night's baggage was into the workplace with us <laughs> yes yeah yeah <laughs> in leading teams really really challenging yep. yes always a good reminder yeah 
One other connection I wanted to make between these two pieces of work is Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and she describes it as vulnerability is the emotion that we are experiencing during times of uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And I thought, wow, that sounds a lot like what we're talking about with crucial conversations. So, um, you know, both, both books based on um, a lot of research. And so um, a lot of commonality there. And so we can take some of the lessons from both of those. And I, the other piece that jumped out at me about um, the vulnerability is that she really makes the case about vulnerability takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable. And it takes a lot of courage to engage in these crucial conversations. Yeah, and I think it takes us right back to where we started with this was start from the heart. And yeah. nothing gets to really... Uh, accepting, appreciating, and being respectful of best intentions than it does when you start with the heart. Yeah, for sure. So what happens if we get in the uncomfortable situation of where uh, we're in the middle of one of these conversations and we, um, we don't act like we should act? or um, it goes a little sideways, um, what do we do? Well, from an emotional intelligence perspective, they would say, uh, uh, recognize it, own it, and address it in the moment. Uh, but that can also uh, be just as effective if you address it as uh, quickly as you uh, reflect on it and realize that something did go sideways to address it uh, as quickly as possible. And I think that's the most effective way for working through it when it doesn't go uh, as planned. Because let's face it, any any of these crucial conversations and any one of those factors can lend itself to uh, things going sideways pretty quickly. <laughs> and like we talked at the at the beginning of this, you never know what state of mind someone's going to be in, which is what makes leadership so challenging. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think what you said there is so important. That, um, you know, it's not going to be perfect and that if something like that happens, that we have to just step back, take a breath and apologize and then try and re, uh, reestablish that mutual, um, the, the mutual goal, the mutual motivation for doing this. And um, what I have found um, when I've had the courage to engage in these kind of conversations as even even if they do go a little south you can bring them back and if you continue to stay engaged and lean into those conversations and a relationship can actually be stronger after um, that because you have built some trust with that person that they we all know when a conversation is difficult and to have another person um, it may be uncomfortable at first but if you can work through it on the other side is usually a stronger relationship so it's worth the effort to um, to sit down and have these um, challenging conversations yeah just like in any family <laughs> yeah yep so what else um, 
what else should we uh, share with our audience about this conversation? Anything else you'd like to add? Oh, boy, there's nothing I can think of in the moment. That was uh, <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty in-depth and rich for a 45-minute chat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, so I'm going to leave leave you with, um, leave our audience with uh, one more thought from Brene Brown, which I love this quote. She says, who we are is how we lead. Uh, self-awareness and self-love matter. And it's really important to take care of yourself. And that's true at all times, but not, um, but even more important right now in everything that we're going through. And as a leader, so important to model uh, good, taking good care of yourself. Um, yeah. And one of those things that she talks about is rest, play, and recovery, and how important things like sleep are um, and and downtime. And that's kind of when she's talking about play. It It is part of that is just having time that you don't have something scheduled, that you do something that rejuvenates your soul. And when and you I do think that, that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's important to think about in the workplace, too. That we, yes. we have to be work, work, work all the time just because we're at work. We can have a little bit of fun and, and how important that is uh, just to re-engage re and recharge. Yes. And when we do that, when we, when we basically build our resilience, we have more capacity to engage in crucial conversations. We will be in a better state to do that. So, so um, as we like to say, Put that air, the, the mask on, the air mask first, <laughs> if you're in an airplane, right? Put that mask on first for yourself so that you can help others. So so just want to leave people with that thought, um, how important that role of leader is. And you can be even a better leader by taking time for yourself. So that thanks, Danielle, for another um engaging with me on this podcast and um we're we are looking for questions for people to send to us and that's at our email which is leadership and lattes which is actually a n d so leadership a n d and lattes at gmail.com and uh, we'll answer your questions on our next podcast so thanks again for um Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to the next one. All right, and thank you, Crystal, for the great conversation. Bye.